What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. My name is John Kroom. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review as it really helps out a lot. And hey, if you haven't checked out the Out of Bounds Collective yet, please go do that. They have some of the coolest podcasts to date. If you are listening to this on the Out of Bounds Collective playlist, then please head over to my podcast and website and check some things out. We got coffee mugs, coffee, socks, all kinds of cool stuff. Any money that you put back into this podcast goes straight into the podcast and into the development of the podcast. And it really helps out a lot. So thank you guys for being supporters. And if you're not a full financial supporter, thank you so much just for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you can just leave a review, it, it again, it helps out quite a bit. Uh, but anyways, this guy was a listener of the podcast and uh, I was able to get him on uh, Christian Vandeveld. I'm really excited about this podcast. Uh, I looked up to him when I was coming up into the sport in two 2013 that was his last year and uh yeah we sit down and we chat about how he found himself in NBC commentating we chat about his time in the professional peloton racing six days uh some of his crazy moments on air um some of the dumb things he might have said on air and that he kind of regrets and one thing that'll live in his brain rent free so that's pretty fun that's pretty interesting but anyways like I said this is one of the cooler podcasts that I've done because I really look up to this guy and uh yeah I really enjoyed this one so let's go ahead and dive into it but first let's hear a quick message from the sponsors and back for another episode is spot spot covers your medical bills up to twenty thousand dollars each time you get injured spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs instead of a fixed fee in a world where many people are under or uninsured with sky-high deductibles, spot fills that gap that is sorely lacking in the outdoor space spot has no deductibles and is a monthly subscription can be canceled at any time spot works whether you have health insurance or not while spot works with and covers a lot of cyclists and mountain bikers spot policies will cover you 24 7 worldwide whether you're ripping a crit, skiing a black diamond, chopping up food in your kitchen, or climbing Mount Everest, Spot has your back. All you have to do is go to croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com. Spot is also offering it now with licenses with USA Cycling. So be sure to check that out at usacycling.org. But yeah, so like I said, guys, I've used this a few times before and it works. It almost sounds too good to be true, but. Like I said, you got to be, you got to, you got to try it before you hate on it. So check them out at croom.getspot.com. Also back for another episode is Twisted Spoke Apothecary. Guys, this is my go-to CBD regimen for my recovery. And now they're even making chamois cream. Guys, I'm using their chamois cream, which is awesome, by the way. Um, all you have to do is go to twistedspokecbd.com. That's twistedspokecbd.com. Or if you're in Colorado Springs, all you need to do is head on over to Garden of the Gods Road and say hey to the guys, Wim, and those guys over at Twisted Spoke and make sure that you get a big, big glass of cold brew. And they can talk to you about CBD all day. But it's created by cyclists. And uh, yeah, they they take care of us. So go check them out at twistedspokecbd.com. Also back this week, Zill Pro. Um, guys, if you have a bike rack and you're not covering your bike, I hate showing up to a bike uh, bike race with a dirty bike after it being on the rack. It is a pain in the ass. So Zill Pro is there to help cover your needs. All you have to do is go check them out at zillpro.com. That's zillpro.com. I'll put a link in the description below. But that is it for sponsors today. Let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. I'm sitting with the legend, Christian Vandeveld. This is this is super cool. Um, he actually 
wrote me a message when I did my wife's podcast, which my wife is actually kind of proud of. You should know that by the way, because I gave her a hard time, like for the longest time that we weren't going to do a podcast together because we didn't have anything to talk about. And she goes, what, what the fuck do you mean? We don't have anything to talk about. Like we, we could talk about how you weigh your food in the morning. We could talk about how much of a pain in the ass you are when you're hungry. We could talk about, um, how much time we, you know, how we didn't get a honeymoon. We can talk about that. You know, <laughs> we can talk about a lot of things. And, uh, I think, I, I think the message I wrote is like that. You had PTSD, oh, right? I, yeah, exactly. That gave me PTSD, man. That just brought me back to living in Girona. I was like, yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't want to go back to those years. Yeah. And, and so that podcast slowly turned into uh, my argument and our argument on on like live live recording. And I was like, hopefully just nobody listens to it. And then and then you listen to it. So no, that's cool, <laughs> man. But anyways, how are you doing, man? Very good. Thank you. No, it's like to be here. No, yeah, this is super cool. So you know, just diving, you know, you know, before we even got started, we got to talk about how, you know, you had a bit of a track career, but let's, let's kind of dive into like where it all started for you. I mean, your dad's in the hall of fame. I mean, you've written for some of the best teams in America and yeah, you were, you were a part of, you were part of some, yeah, like I said, some of the best programs and honestly, some of the worst yet, some of the most, like some of the best times. I mean, we talk about like pay and, um, payouts and, and, and racing and like how it's kind of dying. They're saying it's dying based off the, the, the era that you raced in, you know what I mean? Like that was when the prize purses were massive and, and now we barely see, you know, thousand dollar prize purse in a pro race in America anymore. But yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's funny. I, this has been a topic conversation with a lot of us lately, but it's not, you know, when I first came in as a pro, we had Redlands and and now it's come back to BF Redlands. That's yeah. it. You know, so yeah. I mean, so that's we so I saw the whole curve during my career. You know, it got bigger and bigger and bigger until you know we had uh tour of Missouri, you know, tour of Utah, California was a, a massive one, uh, uh Georgia, of course. So all those races happened during my tenure, which I was so cool. It was so great to be able to race on home soil. Um, but yeah, now we're back to square one, which which is which is not great. Um, there's a lot of cyclists out there, but not so much high level racing, but yeah, my story, like, you know, like you said, my dad, um, growing up, looking up to him, he's my hero. So I just wanted to be a cyclist as much as possible. Um, yeah. and he had, he had the reins on me, wouldn't let me race until I was like 16 years old. Cause he wanted me to do other things like wrestle and play golf and, you know, actually graduate high school, have yeah. a girlfriend, things like yep. that. Um, know how be, to talk to a girl. Yeah. Or just be you know. balanced. Yes. Yeah. Priorities. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, he was a two-time Olympian in 68 and 72 and, um, was a professional, uh, six day racer for a couple of years afterwards. Um, when, you know, no one was professional in the United States. So talk about, you know, becoming a professional and then not being able to race at all in the United yeah. States, cause there's no professional races. So it definitely, hamstrung him a bit. So that didn't last too long. But then of course, um, he got to do some fun things with being in breaking away and being one of the bad guys, you know, yeah. Know, th what is it? Two or three Belgians and a Puerto Rican were the Italians and breaking away. So he, he's one yeah. of the Belgians. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I'm like, I always pull up people's Wikipedia page before they come in. Cause I always, I think Wikipedia pages are funny. And, uh, your first sentence is a, a retired American professional road cyclist of Belgian descent. So it, <laughs> it's really going back far yeah it made sure that it highlighted your belgian descent so where does that come from because like i didn't even know that like i, I obviously in the name i can kind of okay that makes sense but like where does that where does that even stem from 
Uh, first of all, it was my great grandfather. So it's a long time ago, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's very typical to Chicago or any, any of those towns that it was, you know, great grandfather for, for my generation, at least usually came over. Um, yeah. but ma- what makes it stronger in Chicago is that you lived in a neighborhood where you still spoke Flemish and then, you know, across the train tracks was the Germans. And then over there was the Irish and then over there was Italians and on and on and on. And so you kept that bond a little bit tighter for a little bit longer. And so my grandparents still spoke Flemish a little bit around the house. And then by the time my dad was around, of course, nothing at all. So, yeah. but yeah, I think it's more the name. It's a strong name. And, um, it actually, a lot of the Dutch think that I'm Dutch and I have to say, no, I'm Belgian. Actually, then they think that I'm an idiot because, you know, some, they, they look down on the Belgians. <laughs> right on. So can you speak Flemish or can you speak another no. language or no? I mean, I speak Spanish, got a little, a little bit, bit for 16 years, but even that was Catalan. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm very, uh, yeah, I, I I've feel seen... really bad for how bad my Spanish is for how long I lived there. Yeah, right on. I'm learning two languages right now, um, or I'm trying to. Um, learning German. Yeah. English is one of those German and Spanish. I'm trying, like I, I I used to, so I just got back from Switzerland and, um, the amount of fucking languages, those intelligent people can speak is unreal. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm an idiot. And instead of just calling myself an idiot, I'm going to try to fix it this year. And I've already got a sense of Spanish. Um, but yeah, I, I got to start working on, on something else and just, you know, cause I couldn't even really say hello and it's just hello, you know, in, in German, you know? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot, but anyways, long story short, um, you, 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 you said you just got done listening to Colby Lang podcast where we talked about our recent, uh, shell shock from the four day, not even a full six day. So let's talk about your track career. Cause like, I didn't even really know that you had a track career and it's actually really interesting to me how many road guys and actually from the Garmin sharp days there were from the track that just kind of go unheard of like even Greg Daniel who you know rode for you know the U23 Garmin squad um you know he was like IP national champion and and I didn't know that when he came into the program near the latter half of our track days but yeah so tell me tell me a little bit how you find yourself in the track like did you start there or were you you know yeah, I started there. Um, we had a, a local track called Northbrook in yeah. Chicago, north side of Chicago. Um, not a great track, but that's yeah. what we had. Um, and then we had Kenosha a little bit farther drive in Wisconsin. Also and, not know, a great track, but... Not they, a great they, track. They, I will say this. They are still running. They still have races. So to me, they must be doing something right. Totally. It is, it is great. And we had a great camaraderie there and some great riders. But, you know, I live in Chicago. There's no mountains. We had crosswinds, headwinds, mostly headwinds. I don't know why, but it, it was... Yeah. Uh, it was, that's what we did. And some, and my father, of course, coming from a track background, um, that's what he wanted and said, that's the best way to, to really hone your skills and get your foot near a foot in the door. And so that's what I did. And so we had a good group of juniors who are racing. And then, um, I wanted to qualify for the junior world championships. Oh man, this is 94. And so the way to qualify in the junior world championships, I was, was born in 93. Okay, so you could shut up now. Uh, so it was just to be, uh, I think there was only three of us. It was, yeah. the me- it was the elite men's points race. And so we just, I just had to beat one guy and then we'd go to uh, the world championships. And they, I ended up They winning. only take two of you. You got it. Okay. And so I ended up winning the whole, whole damn race, the, you know, the elite men's as a junior. Okay. And, and, th- and this is on my dad's 1972 points race or pursuit bike so i'm always, yeah. 
light blue Schwinn Paramount that I just showed you a second ago. Yeah. Uh, and a tri spoke in the back. And, and so oh, I was just man. out there. This was, it was a wing and a prayer. And, you know, I took a lap early and there was a rain delay. And then that wasn't uh, your first track friends. race, though, right? No, I was racing okay, track yeah. a bit, but I didn't have that much experience. You know, I was still, yeah. you know, I just graduated high school, you know, a month before that. So then, then I was just thrown in the deep end. You know, I was about to go to Marion. Uh, college right there right across the street yeah um from, from the major taylor village room and then you know national team's like well now you you were uh, selected for the pan am games in the points race my whole shit and then so i had no idea of this I, I my only goal was to go to junior worlds and yeah. so you we're like do you want to go to australia and i'm like hell yes and so i just <laughs> said forget about college and went straight there and and uh yeah, yeah then i found myself on the team pursuit team, which, you know, they had just had big success and got second place at the world championships in, in 94. So, um, and that went right into the whole project 96 for going to Atlanta. Um, okay. so that was really my foray and, you know, I, I didn't make the Atlanta team and I honestly almost quit the sport, you know, uh, from team pursuit just cause I was wow. so, I was so upset about that. You know, it was such a, it was so big living at the Olympic training center, you know, home games, it was insane. And so if you came up short, it was a huge blow. Um, but luckily I, I, you know, persevered and, you know, next year I won the world cup in the individual pursuit overall. Um, and then got a, a ride on us postal. Wow. Yeah. See this right here. Like, I mean, honestly, this conversation, like I'm trying to think about quitting the sport. Like I almost needed you in like 2019. I think me, Ashton, Colby, Gavin, the whole team, we just needed to all sit down and you needed to tell us it was going to be okay. Cause we were trying to think who else has been in this situation where it's like, you know, didn't qualify or didn't get selected, you know, that could kind of feel the team pursuit vibe because you literally, you spend almost like three years just not racing really. No, exactly. Just training, you know? training. And, and just training. We, didn't, we didn't know we, dude, I we rode 35,000 kilometers a year in training, like huge, stupid yeah. blocks. And we raced seven times. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Mental. Yeah. Yeah. So just having that, you know, it's just not fun. You know, I think yeah. honestly, I was overtrained for the longest time as well. So actually getting a rest after 96 and go, getting fat and then, then I couldn't do anything wrong in 97. Yeah. <laughs> right on. No, that's, that's super cool. And so that's when you find yourself into the pro cycling ranks. So like you weren't racing pro when you were on project 96 or like on the road, you were full guys. national team, but you know, we did a lot of road races to supplement okay. the training. Um, so we'd go over to Europe and race uh, a bunch of French cup races uh, in the springtime, some Italian races. Um, so I got some, a little bit of, of help there and some looks from some big amateur teams. Um, but uh, luckily, I went head to head with Stuart O'Grady in Adelaide um, in the pursuit. And Stewie, you know, knowing Stewie, he just raced the, the Tour de France. He's exhausted, and so I, I I won. And you know, that finally got the the look from U.S. Postal. So I, thank you, yeah, Stewie. I need to get Ashton back on the podcast. I would one of these days. I just want to sit down and see what his inbox is like, because like you know what I mean. When you win a race against Filippo Ghana, you're just like, I wonder. I just wonder. You know, I just wonder what your inbox looks like. But uh, but anyways, so so now diving into that. So you, but you did some six days as a professional road rider, right? Like, oh, I, I oh? was, I was never that insane. I, I, okay. I never, and you know, we always wanted to go home. You know, if, if I lived in Europe, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably would have, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, that'd been great to be able to go in and just 
pick out a couple sixes and do it'd be fantastic. But there's no way the, the second the season ended, I was on a flight getting the hell out of there, you know, yeah. spending, especially when I was younger, um, which when I was still doing world cups and world championships and the Olympics in 2000 as well in the team pursuit. So I would have loved to have done that, but no, I only did it as an amateur. I did, did Copenhagen as an amateur. So what was that like? What was that experience like? How many Madisons had you raced up into then? I always love having the Madison talk. I mean, because I don't, I don't know if we brought it up with the Colby podcast, but there's literally a time in Bremen, his first ever Madison, like it, with people, like like he's yeah, at this point he's only done one Madison, a couple Madison throws behind a motorbike. Then within the first two laps, all the lights go out. No, I, I heard that. That that's hysterical with the lights. I mean, and I heard yeah. about that when that did happen. Uh, yeah. And it's not the first time. It's happened quite a few times over in Germany, especially. Oh man, the Australians are. They've have amazing stories about them training in, in Germany. The lights wouldn't go out. But no, that that was my first Madison as well. And this okay. is not Copenhagen 250 token. This is old school, and nothing was called the Forum or something like that. Right downtown. It's really cool. Um, the the home straight were old, right? So like, uh -huh. I don't know, 70s or something like that, 80s, whenever they put that in, and then they rebuild the corners. And if when you do the exchanges on the home straights, so like your back wheeled slide dogs is just like greasy as shit. Oh my gosh. Of it. Um, but yeah, no, that was my first, and I forgot was, if that was a 185 or whatever. It was small, you know, it wasn't yeah. as small, it wasn't small as Ghent, but, um, you know, it, but I had, my dad had a velodrome and this is kind of weird. It's kind of like a field of dreams. Like, so that, that was my job out of high school is that I we had to put together this velodrome that he has been in our family for years. Yeah. And so, so I had a bunch of experience riding on that. So we put up a, a taste of Chicago, for example, and we have bike races and a lot of good riders come out there and race on that. So I had experience on a smaller track, but Madison, no, dude, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was doing <laughs> everything my dad told me not to do, you know, like going underneath exchanges and just hoping for the best and just Jesus just, take the wheel at that point. It's like, even if you don't 100%. believe in anything, you're just like, Oh my God, whatever higher power there is. Like, I mean, I will believe in anything at this point. Cause it just like, it gets nuts. Cause it's funny. Cause it's like, you could ride the top five wheels and it's honestly like a breeze. It's, it, That's it's, what I Riding the front, like riding first wheel, full gas is easier than riding, you know, six wheels back. Yeah, I, I did that a lot. I did that a lot. And because I had the engine to back it up so I could make the mistakes yeah. and, and coming back, but you know, and crashing. And then, but you know, the problem is when we take a lap, then I'd be back in chaos and like we had no idea what doing. And you know, I never met my partner. He's a Danish guy. Um, but my, my best story about that week was, you know, I'm, I'm staying by myself, you know, I'm used to being along the national team where everything was really regimented. And so I go out for a bike ride every morning for two hours. And then that was just kind of my process and then warm up for the race. It was only like an hour chase every night. It was nothing special. Right. Yeah. And uh, everyone, well, now I know what happens on Sunday. Um, so I went for my usual bike ride in the morning, go by the track to see the, the juniors race. And I see my race going on out there. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? And so I missed the entire Sunday because I didn't realize it's a matinee on Sundays and it's not at night. Oh yeah. Man. So, so I went home and packed my bags. I'm like, fuck, I, I'm, I'll never be able to, I can't even do this one week of racing. I'll never make it in Europe. I was just like, <laughs> right back into like a quit sport. Oh man. Somehow, like I, I gave, you know, the, the promoter of a bottle of Jack Daniels, Henrik, I'll never forget it. 
and uh, he put me back in the race, but he put me uh, like a couple laps back or whatever, just because I pretty much took a rest day, right? And yeah. uh, then we won the next day, and we got the flowers, and so everything was okay again. You know, so <laughs> just keep, keep putting one foot in front of the other and buy some Jack Daniels as people. It goes a long way. Yeah, but like, and I guess this isn't around a time where like somebody's just messaging you on Instagram, like, dude, where the fuck are you? No, I had um, no clue, man. I had no oh, phone. I was just, I, mean, oh, I was man. going to one eight hundred collect to call people back at home from a payphone. Hey, I might need to change my flight. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh man, dude, that's nuts. So. So yeah, so is that, and so was that the last time, so like after you sign to Postal, is that the last time you, you hit the track? No, I did the Olympics in 2000 um, in the pursuit, which I, I was horrible. I, I won a World Cup in 99 in yeah. the pursuit. And then, so I, I did a little bit here and there. And there's a few of us who are still doing that. Like Brad McGee was still doing that. And Stuart O'Grady was still doing it. A couple, a couple guys and uh it's in france as well but for the most part no i, I didn't in the the whole program was kind of falling apart a little bit after 96 and 97 so there really wasn't that much to go back to unfortunately and but yeah in 2000 in sydney i remember sitting in the stands with my dad and he's like that's the last time i'm gonna see on the track i'm like yes sir that's it man <laughs> i am out of here yeah done no and it's it's crazy because like you know like it's there's so many guys that are like that and it's really a sad kind of like like turn of events almost but um i mean i feel like the british have a really good setup even the australians have a really good setup where like the guys there's a few guys that kind of hover around and even the danish um but for the most part i mean it's like the guys ride the olympics and then hopefully they get a road contract from that and get a new opportunity yeah. which is sad because to be honest with you i geek out still more on track cycling than anything else you know and i get to call the olympics for nbc track cycling is amazing i absolutely yeah. love it you know and and seeing the six days and well um, this year this olympics had to be epic for you oh dude, i was losing my mind yeah you know from the women's side was incredible it was amazing um, the omnium obviously and then of, and of course what ghana did in the team pursuit what the fuck i mean it's and then just and just geeking out on the gears and what you guys all ride these days blows my mind. Well, saying that, you won a World Cup pursuit. Do you remember the gear that you rode? Or do you at least remember the There has I'm to be embarrassed. a race. I'm embarrassed to Let's say hear what it. the I was on a 52.15. What is that? That's like a... That's 96? No is that way. A, is, that, is that too big? Yeah, way too big. Oh, is that 92? 90? Yeah, something like that. Oh my god! Not, what was your time? Like, do you remember? I probably look it at up. the Olympics. At the Olympics, no, I did not remember. I sucked at Olympics. I was I had zero form. I was hurt and yeah. beat up. But um, but like the four twenties. I mean, put it this way: in we rode the same year in the team pursuit, and we yeah. did a four oh six, and I think it was like one hundred and forty five RPM for the whole time. Or hundred. Holy shit! It well, stupid. dude, it's funny, man. I remember when we were all like, we were begging to ride bigger gears in. Uh, like when this whole program started and I remember Jim Miller giving us a hard time being like, you can't even be the Garmin sharp team. And I know they weren't even close to that. Like your warm up gears are bigger than what they're riding. And I like, this is like, we're like three months into training. Oh, it's hilarious. And so we're getting our asses chewed out. And I remember talking to Bobby Lee and that, uh, <clears throat> you know, talking to Bobby Lee about, you know, he, he, he never rode bigger than a 96 in anything. I mean, he was like, he was like the easiest thing for me was just to pick one gear and just stick to a 96 and I talked to him in T-Town this year and he was asking me what I rode in the pursuit and he was like yeah like I would have never 
even thought about putting that gear on. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting knowing like what guys are riding back then into now and, and, and what, you know, even positioning, you know, like the flat bar, you know, it was very flat bar position. Head was kind of even popped up a bit and now we're angling things <laughs> I will up. say like aerodynamically, I was very astute. Thank goodness. Cause we had a lot of, you know, we got to go to the wind tunnel quite a bit in GM. Yeah. Um, and our, our bikes were just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm still want to go and steal mine out. I think it's still in the, in the, in the foyer at USA cycling. That's, that's mine. I think it's like the only one still left in there. So it might no go shit. missing one day. Yeah. It needs All to right. come back home. Cause my, my, my taint lived on that thing for many, many. So I, I need operation steel Christians bike. I'm on it, bro. <laughs> I'll, I'll write that down on my, uh, on my whiteboard, I they're they're literally twenty minutes away from the house. We will we will get this bike back. I'm on it. <laughs> no, it, it is cool to see the generation gaps, you know. So like for my yeah. for example, my dad did like five minutes or something like that for they broke five minutes, I think, for uh the team pursuit, right? No, yeah, in individual, whatever it was. And then four thirty-five, I think, was their fastest team pursuit. So then I try to beat their, you know, team pursuit time on myself, you know, and the same thing goes with now that Ashton goes faster than we went in the team pursuit and anyone went for the team pursuit until 96 until the Italians went. And then of course in 2000 with the Germans, right? Yeah. Uh, so everything, every 20 years, it seems like it kind of jumps again. So I, I'm kind of getting scared what's going to be like in 20 years from now, like how can you keep on? Cause you know, when they first beat four minutes, I didn't think that was possible, you know, like, holy shit. No, I mean, sorry. I didn't think it would be, anyone could go too much faster than that. Right. I thought that was our becoming the, the speed barrier, right? Yeah. It's sound barrier. And then to look at it now, geez, Louise. I well, I, I can only imagine what it's like being a commentator now. And, and I, I kind of want to know what it, what it took to like make that transformation. Cause it's not many guys. It's not like, it's not like they're just like, okay, you've graduated from the world tour. Now you get an, a chance at ABC <laughs> or an NBC or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. So like, I would really love to know like how you, how you found your way in there. And, and because that's something that, um, I don't think a lot of cyclists have, which is, um, the, what to do after and you know, their life, like your life, man. I mean, even though you started at 16, it sounds like your life was the bike. I mean, you're 35, yeah. 35,000 kilometers in a year is insane. Like that's, that's a, that's a, that's a workload, my friend. And yeah, year um, after year after year after year for many years. Yeah. So, um, the, the chassis is a little bent. Engine's still okay, but chassis is a little messed up. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. So in 2013, so first of all, I was, I was lucky enough to call the end of my career. Um, you know, yeah. I think every athlete wants, that's the goal that they either go out on their own volition. And so luckily I was, I was doing that and, but I crashed out of my last tour and yep. beat up broken bones and, um, my friend and she did all of our media at the time, Mariah Palmgrave. She asked me, I said, Hey, you know, David Michaels from NBC would maybe like want you to come on and do a couple segments. Um, and I, she's like, it's kind of maybe an audition for next year. And I was like, okay, whatever. But, and then I started thinking about like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do it. So I was home in Chicago. I, I booked a ticket back to France Yeah. and cause I was like, you know what, I, you know, of course I had us pro coming up, which I won the year before. I should have been doing that, but I said, man, I, I have to start looking into what I'm going to be doing afterwards and I'm beat up anyways. And I'll feel great. So it's not like I'm, I feel like I could win right now anyway. So flew back there, did a couple segments and you know, that was enough for them to take a, a shot at me going into 2014. And you know, I, I, I think I sucked at it for a while, you know, because it's, 
all they want you to do is be yourself. That's what the reason. So hard. So hard. To be yourself is not easy, especially when you're sitting, you know, like I've known Paul Sherman and Paul's, you know, was, was friends with my father since, you know, since since I can remember. Right. So he'd be coming over for dinner since I was 12 years old. So I knew Paul, I knew Bob a little bit, um, Phil kind of, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, then we're having dinner and Bob, Phil, Paul and I all the time. And I'm like, holy shit, what is happening with my life? You know, yeah. and which was, you know, great. And then you, you find yourself trying to, you're almost speaking like them and things like you're not being yourself anymore. So after I shook that, then now I feel like I'm on plane and being myself and, and having a good time. And I absolutely love it. I'm just fortunate to still be a part of sport. No, that that's, it's so impressive because like, I mean, uh, the one guy that I think is like kind of coming up under you that, uh, is more on the British side of things, Adam Blythe, like you two, yeah, you two, I think are just great naturals. I mean, they even tried to have Bradley Wiggins on and I've seen a few of like the attempts that they've had with other cyclists, but like between you and Adam, I think you guys kill it. Like it, especially Adam's great. What I like about Adam is cause like. I know some of the beefs with some of the Hubwatt bike guys and like some of the aerodynamic stuff. And so it's funny kind of hearing some of that stuff, but he, I mean, the moment he came on, he wasn't scared to speak his mind and be himself. And that's kind of why I like his commentating. Um, no, he, he's, he's, he went right into that role and we were like, cause when I, we didn't know who we were going to put there because it was a COVID. Yeah. We couldn't get Steve Perino back on the bike. Right. So we yeah. couldn't get over there. I'm like, we're like, holy shit, who we're going to get over there. That's, that's European based. And so I called a couple of friends and like, Hey, what about Blythe? I'm like, that's a great idea. So he called him up. Adam's like, Hey, please. Yes. And yeah. so he went over there and he was like born for the role. You know, he's yeah. a total showman. He loves to be in the spot. Like, yo, what's up? Yeah. He's killing it. And I, I thought it was great. It was a good, it was a good addition. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, man. And so let's like kind of moving forward. Cause you obviously can't do NBC your entire career. What's this breakaway app? I've, We've, I've seen it all over the internet. I mean, you got, you got Ashton Lambie, you got Ben Wolf. I don't know who else, but, and you're also, are you a Peloton instructor as well? I think I've been put on ice by Peloton. The, uh, COVID was a good excuse. I was never like a full-time Peloton ex- instructor. So I yeah. was like the only guest instructor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I used to do a lot of events, things like that. So I, I kept busy Yeah, um, and I did everything when I retired, you know, if anyone at, gave me an opportunity. I'm like, yes. And so I realized what I like to do and didn't like to do more importantly. Um, yeah. But this last year with the breakaway is one of my friends, um, one of the early guys from Strava and his friend started this app. And he, used, he was a guy who used to make fun of me all the time. He's like, dude, what does your life come to that you're a spin instructor now? Are you serious? Oh, and then he got a Peloton bike and he's like, holy shit, this thing's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably like, I can only imagine like when trainers came out, it's like, Phew trainers because i used to live with jeff pierce uh i don't you know jeff pierce probably yeah i used to live with jeff pierce in his basement and he used to give me the hardest time when i was like fuck i forgot to charge my wahoo or my garmin or whatever and he's like why do you need that like just go ride take a clock and go ride that way for three hours and then ride back and it'll be six hours there you go buddy (laughs) times of times have changed pepe Pepe. yeah (laughs) i mean so over COVID, I didn't have any of these things going on. I didn't have any events, didn't have, yeah. you know, Peloton. And so Jordan, my friend, early days in Strava, he's like, I'm, I think we need to do something that, you know, the, what's the, what's next and really simplifying all this data. Cause there's so much data. Like just, so you're saying you're charging this, charging that, you got your whoop, you got the aura. Now you got oh super my God, yeah. you get, it's a lot going on. You have to learn. So 
the breakaway is just simplifying all that, you know, and making it all about you. There's no leaderboards. There's no random segments. Every PR is about performance against what is possible for people your age, your weight, and your gender, yeah. you know? I mean, so that just makes it easier. And so you against you and just trying to get better. And we're seeing members of Breakaway really pass through what they thought was possible, which is awesome to see, you know? But just like in Peloton, it was so cool to see so many of those guys go from a Peloton bike to, hey, take my classes. And then all of a sudden they'd be like, I'm going to road bike and then show up at our camps at a hotel and then start doing little events yeah. and things like that all the way. And they'd never even owned a bike before. So this is really just trying to scale down everything, try to condense all that data, make, let us do the hard lifting on the backside. Cause the under underneath the hood is, is really intelligent and just make it easy for you to ascertain what I need to do first and foremost. Cause people, they, they just want to be just, just tell me what to do, please. Yeah. And, you know, make, make your, Hard days hard. Your easy days easy. And you're gonna get better. I mean, it's, yeah, it's no, really for simple, sure, for sure. but it's not yeah. easy, right? Yeah. People have lives, and not everyone wants to have a coach, or they don't have time to have a coach to have a, pro, a program throughout the week. Um, so we're just really trying to hit all those people, and it's it's been a fun process. You know, I never went to school, so having all these, you know, being held, held accountable for all these different devices, I have to learn. So on the, on the tech side, I'm, I'm hurrying up really quickly um but it's it's been a really fun process and i'm really psyched about it so yeah please go check out the breakaway y'all <laughs> yeah yeah no we'll put a link in the description below for sure where people can go check that out because i think it i do think it's cool because like um I, I you know i work at cts and i get phone calls all the time of like hey can you coach somebody on peloton and it's like uh, not really but i mean i can help you and i can help point things out i mean in reality you can like the peloton coach can coach you on the peloton you know what i mean and so yeah. But with some of these apps, like uh, Full Goss, I think is a new one that I've heard about. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I, that's Aussie, I believe. Yeah, that one's interesting. Between that, Zwift and and, and uh, Trainer Road, and I think it's great. I think I think having more opportunities in the space for doing something different is awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, um, let me just clarify that it's it's not just for Peloton. You know, it's it's on the road. It's it's yeah, whatever yeah. you can up upload. So it's all your power from a Garmin unit. Um, Wahoo's coming soon. Um, we got Zwift and then of course Peloton. So just congregating all that data. So it, it all lives together, which is nice as well. Not having one over here, one over there, just seeing exactly what you're doing all together. No, that's super cool. Um, and so, yeah, so kind of, kind of moving forward a little bit, um, you, you've lived probably all over the country at this point, whether it's Colorado, California, just training and doing whatever else, right. Um, and all over the world for that matter. Um, you, you, you found yourself in Greenville. Um, and for, that's for right. You're I, South Carolina boy, aren't you? Dude, I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina, born and bred. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love, I love, I love South Carolina. Greenville is like, that's where I started. I looked up to guys like you, George, like when I, I remember bringing my wife when she was my girlfriend and I was like 18. I was like, do you know who that is? That's, that's George, George Hinkat. <laughs> George, man. And, um, I actually was on a, I found myself like I was riding through Travel's Rest and, there's one time I was riding home and I ran into a group of group of the masters guys. And I remember just like George was in that group and I was like, Oh man, I just did. Uh, and it ended up being, it was supposed to be a three hour day that ended up cause I had to ride from easily South Carolina, uh, to travelers rest. Sleazily. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, they were taking the longer way back and I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll never get an opportunity like this again. I was a cat four road cyclist and I, it ended up being an eight hour day for me. Um, <laughs> but it was the coolest thing in the world. So obviously what, what made you go to Greenville? I mean, like what made you end up there? 
Well, I moved back from Girona, Spain. So with my wife and kids and I lived in Girona. We had a cool house, um, which actually is the, the longest stretch that we've ever lived in one place. <laughs> so oh, it's wow. kind of weird. Yeah, so I, when that, we closed that chapter, that was really sad, actually. So we moved back to where my wife and I uh, both grew up in Chicago Burbs. And after a couple of years, I was like, I, I, not even, not it's even a couple of years. I mean, I'm talking like months, man. I was like, yeah. oh, this is not good. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to last year because I was going doing gigs every weekend for the most part, you know, yeah. work at NBC or some event. And then during the week, all my friends would work, right? And I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm losing it, you know? And so George is like, and so during that course of time, you know, George had his, his fondo going on and we did a couple of camps together here in Greenville at his hotel, Hotel Domestique. And man, I was like, this is not bad down here. You know, he's like, why don't you come down, give it a shot. And so one day my wife just saw me just kicking a can around the house, just, just, just being just a dick, you know, yeah. for the longest. And so she's like, all right, well, let's go. I was like, really? We could do this? And so I mean, just <laughs> started looking at real estate right away. Yeah. Uh, but no, I honestly, and I'm so happy I've done it. It's, it's been such a good quality of life move. Um, and Bobby Julik was right behind me. He moved straight from Nice. I think he bought a house over the internet. Didn't even know what it really looked like until he got here. Um, so yeah, it's in this little town has changed a ton, man. You wouldn't yeah. even believe like since, even since I, I've been here for almost six years and it's, crazy to see now every every year i leave and come back it's like a new thing and the it's not the newest thing but the thing that i found out about like what four years ago when i came back to do some training um was tandem creperie cafe that seems to be the staple of of the cyclists there which is just like I don't understand how nobody's like 400 pounds living there, but um, yeah, those, those things are a little bit too good. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's actually insane. Um, if you, and, if you do that, um, you have to time your, your ride correctly. If you eat that at the wrong time, you're going to have to take a nap on the side. Of the oh road. yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, you're down for the count. It's like 2000 calorie crepes, like and they're savory crepes with sweet. It's oh, it's a big mix, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you find yourself in Greenville and, um, yeah, like what, like, I guess more or less, like, what do you find yourself doing for the con- the continuation of the sport and, and, and the rest of your career, I guess, more or less? Like, cause it's like, I feel like you have your hat and everything. Like you're running camps, you're running, you know, you're on NBC, you are, um, breakaway app. Like what, like, what do you see? Where do you see Christian 10 years? Like, what do you, oh, what do you want to see? Wow. I didn't think we were going to go to Oprah. Um, oh yeah, but... dude. I'm curious. Um, I really don't know right now. I mean, 10 years is, is seems like an eternity, but I know it's going to yeah. be gone a blink an eye, especially when you, you have teenagers in the house all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, you're right. Right now I'm just, I love still helping out the sport. Um, I serve on the board. We had a, a great little junior squad with George's son now, who's way too strong now. I'll immediately at 13 years old, which is not funny. <laughs> um, and then, so we help out with those guys a little bit locally. Um, I mean, I'm blessed to be able to go ride with all these guys, you know, just on a, a random Wednesday afternoon, all of a sudden we're riding with some of the, some of the best buddies who were, happen to be some of the best cycles of all time as well. Yeah. I'm um, still at my age. I think that's amazing. Um, grab my back door. So that home side is great. You know, NBC is fantastic. Um, the breakaway is, has been awesome. Um, I did the, the union thing for a while. So I was the president of the union for the last five or six years, trying to get the North Americans back up to par. I still think that 
we're far away from where we need to be um, as, as cyclists for having someone to have their, a voice for them. Um, that's, that's a totally different podcast altogether, but uh, yeah, I, I really don't know, man. I, I've really been just taking it st- a step at a time, just trying to live a balanced lifestyle. I realized, especially through the last two years in, in COVID that my time is limited with my kids right now as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking down the barrel of a gun of like three and a half years. And my, my oldest <laughs> yeah. is she's gone in college, you know? Yeah. And so I need to have reasons for them to come back and hang out with the old man. So yeah. uh, that that's my priority really, to be honest right, right now is, is, is the kids and, and trying to stay home a little bit more, you know, went from 200 days a year in training camps to now a hundred with NBC. So it's just trying to whittle it down, but, you know, be able to do the call the Walta, from my buddy's office, downtown Greenville, you know, and all the world championships and things like that. I mean, that has been a huge silver lining. I know. I was about to say, did, did the, did COVID as as shitty as it sounds, because we've talked about how COVID's affected people negatively, but honestly, some of these cyclists it's actually affected kind of positively in a very morbid way. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, God damn, there, there ain't no COVID in South Carolina, bro. Oh Come yeah. I, I, my parents were just in town. I've, I, I've, I've heard the whole, the whole COVID thing, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've noticed that, um, uh, mask almost didn't exist there even when COVID mm. was rampant. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, so do you feel like it's kind of like, I guess, put a new spin on your career, but almost grown with you, I guess, you know, cause more or less like, right. Probably when you were just getting started, you're like, Oh my God, like I still get to travel. I still get to experience stuff, but I don't have to suffer up the climb. I can just talk about Chris Froome's suffering up the climb. This is awesome. Uh, you know, and get paid to do it, it or whatever. You know? Yeah. Which was crazy though, but, uh, crazy hard as well. Cause you know, cause I was so stressed out when I was on, on the camera, uh, yeah. I came out of freaked out so bad. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we still drive isn't, and we're still, you know, where you work like 12 hours a day, 14 hours oh, I can a day. only imagine. Yeah. Um, which I love, but I will say that doing it out of Stanford, Connecticut is where we have the big studio and that's where NBC sports is. So if you ever see anyone for, you know, Sunday night football, or for example, or what we used to be NHL, um, those are all the studios that they, they all use, um, is great kind of, and soulless at the same time, you know? So it's, it's a 50, 50, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I would still love to go back there. There's nothing that replaces actually going and riding that last climb and remind yourself of how hard it is or waking up in the morning and seeing sideways rain and seeing, you know, really getting a good feel of what the rider is going to be going through that day. And, and to be honest with you, geez, just seeing light. I mean, you go, I wait, I get there at like three 30 in the morning and I come out, you know, frozen first of all, cause the studio is so damn cold. And then leave at like 12 31 o'clock and you're like, Oh my God, it's, 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 it's still summer. It's 85 degrees and there's light and, but you're destroyed. And then you try yeah. to go to bed at seven o'clock. It's uh, anyway, I, I do miss being in France and I hope that we go back one day, but I don't know if that's happening, man. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's an interesting Not because of COVID. Not because just because just seeing of how e- good the show was, it is. you know, it was easy. The show was great. The ratings went up like 25% over the last two years. So it's all wow. a good thing. Oh, and they probably, oh, and by the way, they probably save a couple million bucks and not driving around a tractor. You can only imagine. Yeah. And how our hotels and food and gas. And um, so I get it, but yeah, I hope we go back. Yeah. Well, no, that's interesting. And so I got two, two more questions for you, which you probably, you probably know the last one at this point, and hopefully you've, you've done your studying and you've done, cause you've, you've, probably hung out with tons of cool people. So I can only imagine the people you've already had coffee with, but before we do that, 
I want to hear, and, and this is we're going to be putting you on the spot a little bit. Um, I want to hear what is that one time that you'll never forget on air that you were like, oh, I fucked up. There has oh. to be one time. Or you were oh, just yeah. like, yeah. And, and and you might have to go through a few of them where you're like, oh, I probably can't say that one. I probably can't say this one. But uh, but yeah, what's that one time that, you, that will never, that lives rent free in your brain forever and that you're just like, oh man, I'll never, never get over that. We'll say one funny, kind of funny. Well, yeah, it's pretty funny. And, <laughs> and I, I shared this and I, I kept it in for like seven years. And I, and <laughs> okay. We had a dinner party and I, and I, I, I told everyone about it and they, and they keep on, so I don't know if it's a good idea to say it, but I, fuck it. Who cares? It's, it's gone. Um, <laughs> so it, it was, we're talking about a rainy stage and it was in the mountains or mixed mountains. So like category twos and threes and maybe one yeah, or yeah. two, but it was one of those gnarly days, full gas racing. And you can't see shit. And I said something like, you know, you're trying to eat, you're trying to see what's going on. You're taking your glasses on and off to, you know, cause they're getting dirty. You can't see through your glasses, but if you take your glasses off, you, you get all this schmeg in your eye. Schmeg. Yes, we're schmegma. We schmeg. I said schmeg. And and uh, I had no idea what the you know the Yiddish term really meant. I just know that my dad would say, "Hey, you got some schmeg in your eye," or something like that. You know, okay. Or, or, you know, like, and so I just I didn't think anything of it. And then David Michaels marches into the into the studio. He's like, "What was that all about?" Idiot. And shit, Dave is, is, uh, is Al Michael's brother. You know, he's been in the game forever. I'm talking, you know, like all through the, you know, the Yanni years in the 80s, you know, when they when the anyway, he's been there yeah. forever. And he's like, yo, what was that? And he's Jewish, by the way. So he knows really exactly. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I, what? And he's like, dude, you said Shemek. I was like, well, yeah, so? Well, I mean, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> and he's like, and, uh, yeah, so I I learned what that is, and anyone could go and you go and Google. I'm not going to explain what it is, but yes, that that is uh that's what I said. Oh, and, uh, fuck. But yeah, I mean, I've said I've said some. You know, I would say the hardest thing for me, especially right out of the gate, was saying negative things about your buddies. It was like like they, not making fun of a guy, like while they were not, riding, not or? not making fun of them, just saying that they they screwed up. They did a horrible, ah. they did a horrible sprint, or there was the taxes were just dog shit, you know, all those kind of <laughs> things. Like that was so hard for me, you know, to really to say what you truly feel, knowing that they're gonna hear about it. And then you know, why did you you know, why oh, you okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so. that was that was the hardest thing. And so there was times that I definitely held my punches that I wish I shouldn't have, you know, and but I will say that that was for me most dramatic. Right and you out, know, right out of the game. And, and like we're not going to stay on it too long. And you don't have to like go down the list. I don't want to bring up dead wounds, but or you know, un, un, peel back wounds or anything crazy. But has there ever like have you ever gotten a text after like a couple days after a stage and they've like rewatched it and they're like, dude, what the fuck? What was that? Why did you say that about me? Have you yeah, ever had that? Of course, you know, and a, wow. a lot of a lot of it was you know. I'd say, you know, it went both. And I would say probably 80, 20 for, you know, the positives versus the negatives. Um, yeah. If, if I feel though, if you say it and it's correct and it's, it's truly what you feel, then even if they're upset about it, they're going to get over it. Cause well, I'm it, trying it to really think, happen, you know, well, I'm trying to think like if I had the opportunity of the job 
and and I'm I'm doing that right, and I I say something, and I happen to know that individual, um, and it's like, well, dude, you screwed it up. <laughs> like I was just doing yeah. my job, you know. It's like, yeah. You've had but that it's day. different for, for saying that in the conversation with you and I. It's different yeah. to a couple hundred million people. I guess whatever. that's a good point. Yeah, I guess this is a good point. Man, and that's and that's your job. That's interesting. See, I would have never even thought to ask you that, and that kind of comes through on some because literally in my next question you know, the fact of how many people, you know, it's, it's insane. Probably how many of those guys, not only you rode with, you probably mentored or they mentored you. Maybe, I don't know. Like there's some guys out there that have been riding forever. Um, you know, and so, but luckily anyway. there's only one Valverde, you know, right now. Yeah. So there's, there's <laughs> I mean, we got Cav, I mean, Dan Martin just retired this year. I mean, yeah. Rowan, Rowan Dennis was, was a hard one. He's a great buddy of mine, especially yeah. when, he, when he, when he dropped the mic and left the Tour de France before the time <laughs> trial a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to say now? You know, that, that, that was a story, you know, for the whole yeah. week, right? Yeah. And it was the most rock star move of all time. They're like, no, I don't like my skin suit or helmet. <laughs> Watch this. I'm out. Oh my gosh, what a savage. Um, but no, yeah, that's interesting. Um, it, it is interesting to know, like, especially, I mean, I mean, that's kind of the same thing with Adam Blythe. Like these guys know these guys personally yeah. and then they start speaking on them and you're like, you're wondering if there's beef or like what, what the deal is, you know, cause they know each other where it's like now, it, or they used to race against each other even, you know, and, and, yeah, no, and that's, that's what really cuts through with Adam yeah. um, is that camaraderie, you know, even just, you know, in the scrum in the morning, like you don't want to talk to somebody you don't know sometimes, or you don't want to answer yeah. a question that, you know, and they don't have that first of all, animosity, not that they have animosity, but they, they don't have a fear and they're at home with speaking with Adam, you know, and Adam's getting high fives on, when he's on the motorbike from Julian Alaphilippe and random. I mean, that is, that's right. That's awesome. Probably shouldn't do that all the time, but you, for the yeah. kids in Tour de France, it's upset about it. Not that I care or anyone else because it's awesome. And we all love it yeah. as spectators to see that. Um, but but yeah, it's no, a safety Adam, issue. Like the moment that somebody crashes, the Tour de France isn't safe anymore. And you know? so, yeah. crash yeah, yeah, professionals. For but, sure. For sure. For sure. But like, you know, that's, that's kind of where their heads are at. Yeah. So. But anyways, last question, which, like I said, I can only imagine the amount of guys that you've sat down with, had a cup of coffee. So this is probably going to open up a new realm of just different people you can have a cup of coffee with. But um, yeah, if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee with one individual dead or alive, and who would that individual be? And, and then why would you have that coffee with that individual? And how would you take your coffee? Yeah. I, you're, like you said, I, I've been lucky enough to, to really hang out with a lot of people that I never thought I would ever get to meet, you know, from Eddie Merckx and Zerku to Bo, Bo Jackson, you know. To, I was about to say, like, even with your NBC sports background, I can only imagine just who yeah. you sat down with. I mean, yeah. I mean, so I think I'd go the complete opposite way. You know, I, would, I think that I, I would like to have a cup of coffee with my grandpa who passed away wow. in 2008. Okay. And just unload of all the crazy shit that's that happened you've done? since then like yeah. like you wouldn't believe what i'm doing right now i think yeah. i think that'd be cool no that would be unreal no that's super cool and, and honestly a great answer um but yeah so like i said guys we will put a link in the description below to the breakaway app um we will also put a link in the description below to christian's uh social media pages and all that website and 
you guys can check out this crazy Wikipedia page too, because it's fully just decked out with all kinds of crazy stuff. This guy's had an I mean, insane career. I do career. not want to be on uh, Dancing with the Stars. I don't know who the hell put that in there, but I don't know if it's still there. Hopefully it's gone by now, but... Dancing with the Stars? Were you on Dancing with the Stars? No, thank God. No, I'm a horrible dancer, like okay. beyond bad. I'll, I'll write an email in that you want to be on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. But no, also, uh, also, <laughs> Go guys, also, guys, I'll put a, a form link in, down in the description below. Uh, for anybody that's willing to help me steal Christian's bike back from USA Cycling. Hopefully USA Cycling's also listening to this podcast because I think they do, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, we Operation Steal Christian's Bike is commencing after this podcast. So uh, <laughs> we're on it. <laughs> so, but yeah, anyways, guys, thanks for that. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.